Welcome to the 150K Podcast, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Have you ever had a dream of being successful, living a life you love? If so, this podcast is for you. From practical applications to tools to help you level up, I am going to open up my network of success so that you can achieve your life by design. So sit back, grab your pen, and get ready to level up. All right, we'll take it from here, family. We are back, episode 32, a very special episode today. Um, we're just going to hop right into it and intro our guest. I have my good friend, um, Joe Graham. He's with us today. He's going to talk about um, everything from sales to relationship building to maybe a couple other things as well that he would like to share. Um, Joe is in, um, I believe, business to business sales, if mm-hmm. I'm right, Joe. Yep. Um, and he's uh, lives in the great state of tech. I do. So I do. <laughs> uh, without further ado, we'd like to you know introduce Joe Graham to the show. Well, thank Welcome. you first and foremost for letting me be on the show. Now, I am a Texas transplant. I'm originally from Michigan, so <laughs> I'm not what they would call a true Texan. Now, my daughter is because she was born here, but I had to clarify that because, you know, some Texan people get a little bit upset if you say you're a true Texan and you haven't been there all your life. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're a Texas transplant. What made you move to Texas from Michigan? Uh, economy 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 <laughs> nice. okay. it's, it's just a lot better there's no snow here so like i grew up in southwest michigan which is a great area um but there's a bunch of snow it was cold six months out of the year it just wasn't the right fit for us and my wife got a job down here and i transferred with home depot at the time which i was doing sales for and we've been here 12 years now but yeah i love texas all right what uh, what part of texas are you in uh, Dallas Fort Worth area. So it's like one of the fastest growing parts of the country right now. I think Tesla's moving here. I know Google or one of them just moved here recently as well. Okay. I know it's uh can get pretty damn hot down there. Yeah, it was over a hundred degrees. Like we were talking beforehand. Um, like I lost my air conditioning, like it went out and I was without it for a week and it was a hundred degrees. So I had to do old school. When I mean old school, we opened up the doors, we put the fans in, I got some little window units and it reminded me of like growing up in Southwest Michigan because I grew up like poor in this little country town. We didn't have air conditioning and stuff. So it was a good reminder of I'm happy for first world problems, meaning that I didn't have air conditioning for a week. Yeah, 100%. That's for sure. Um, so, Joe, you uh, l- let's hear a little bit about your background with um, with sales and, you know, anything you want to share with that. Have you always been in sales? Has it always been your thing? Um, no. What kind of skills do you do? Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny because I mentioned the whole growing up in Southwest Michigan, Midwest type of thought process. Now, in the Midwest, which I think is pretty close to you guys up in the Northeast, you know, you get a job, you work that job, you do the thing you're supposed to do, you make money. And that's kind of like the, what they tell you, it's a grand life. And so I thought when I was young and dumb, that's what I was going to do. So I worked for a company called Pfizer. I got married young. I was thinking that this is what I was going to want to do. And they downsized and I lost my job. I had uh, too young kids at the time. So I had to find something. The only thing I could find was sales. Now, mind you now, I am very good at sales. When I started out in sales, I had no clue. I took a hundred percent sales job, fell into it because that's all I could find. And the first sales I went to go do, I looked at the guy and said, I can't do this. Literally during the presentation, <laughs> I, said, Gutters. I look at this guy, I'm like, I can't do this. And now like I'm the guy that talks to multimillionaires all day long, selling them different stuff. Like it's just funny how far you can come along. But when I first started with sales, I was like anyone else. I didn't want to be rejected. I didn't want to have 
to ask people for something because I was taught that sales was icky, it was bad. And now I actually help people reframe that concept that it's problem solving. It's not icky. I'm just helping you problem solve them. Well, solve a problem, even if I can't talk straight. Um, you know, you just have to reframe that mindset. And it took me, what, 15 years to become an overnight success, as they would say it? Yeah, 100%. Wow, 15 years. That's awesome. But I, I feel like that's really cool. Well, cool maybe not be the word because you said the company downsized and you were let off. But it, it's it's funny how I like how you started off that you were basically the Midwest is like the Northeast and it is very much much like that, where it's like a cog in the wheel. You come out of school, you get the job, and then you just get married and you work the nine to five, you go home and the weekend's off and two days, and that's what you look forward to. So when you, like you said, sales was the only thing you could find though, but did you know maybe after you got over that initial not knowing what you were gonna do, like, or you couldn't do this and you got that confidence, did it feel like it was the right, were you happy with the decision? Did you start to get this confidence and did you feel like it was a lot better than the nine to five cog in the wheel? Yes, but at first I didn't know. So it was hundred percent commission. So that was scary. To, uh, can we swear on this or no? Excuse me? Are we allowed to What's swear it? on your episode or no? Oh, absolutely. Okay. You were I just wanted to make sure because some podcasts I've been on, they say no. No, it scared the fuck out of me because like I have a family and all and I had no idea what was going on. So I'm just like thrown into this and I'm like learning it. But the first week out, so the first deal that I did that was given to me, two days later, I sold an $11,000 roof. Like, so I got $1,000. And back 15 years ago, that was like the biggest check I'd ever gotten. So it gave me confidence, but I had no skill. So it's kind of like, oh, I thought I was great. And then I went like two to three months with hardly nothing. So I'm like, oh, crap, I need to learn something. Mm -hmm. So then I started reading like Grant Cardone, Gary Vee. Um, pretty much, I think those were the two that I was thinking of at that time. I just began to read and learn anything I could. And then I found anyone at that job that was doing good. I'm like, well, how do you do this, Don? How do you do this, Joe? And I just started to learn. It took me about five years to realize that I actually really liked sales. Because I just, at that time, I was like, oh, wow. I'm just, I got into the sales became my new nine to five at that point. And then about five years in, I started opening up my world to other people like Ed Milet, just different people that just begin to expand my mindset and Tom Belay. And I started to learn and grow and read. I'm like, wait a minute, I can make a lot more money, work a lot less time and build a life I want. And I bounced around to different types of jobs and stuff to where the point where right now I'm doing B2B sales. And then all of a sudden it went from, you know, one year I'd make a hundred, then the next year I'd make 50 to now I'm consistently making a hundred, 150, now I'm making around 200. And I built that up, but it was the process of what you said, learning and growing and becoming the person I needed to be, because the secret to anything you do is you. What time are you investing in yourself? What circles are you getting around? Who are you talking to to level up? What books are you reading? And I literally pretty much got my own education. I had to pay for it a different way. I didn't go to college. I mean, I went to college for a little bit and dropped out because that's just what I did. But like with the, in the sales world, I literally just started absorbing the knowledge and absorbing the knowledge to the point now I'm, I'm teaching people. And I, like I said, I'm talking to millionaires about oil and gas investments. A couple of years back, I was selling them like, you know, 100 to $250,000 investments in oil wells. Now I sell multi-year contracts. And now to me, it's just the made up number. It's not a big deal. Now, if I had a $1,000 check, I'm going to be pissed off. 
when I started out, a thousand dollar check was like life changing. It's all perspective mm -hmm. because as you grow and get stronger, it's better. Kind of like if you're working out, it's the same type of thought process. You know, when you first work out, I want to think I can like lift a lot, but I had to start with like tens and fifteenth. You know, doing my little curls at tens and fifteen because that's just all I could do. Because I tried the twenty fives yeah. and I couldn't do it. But the more that I work out and get stronger, and I get to the twenty fives and the thirties and all, it's the same thing with sales and business in life. You have to start where you are. You learn that level, you grow, and you go to the next level. That's it. That's really, really cool. Um, and there's one point that you brought up. You brought up Ed Milet, and I just saw a post from his recently, and it actually fits into exactly your story. Correct me if I'm wrong. He says the people who run the world who make the most money, they got got there by putting themselves in positions that they weren't even ready for yet. And that yes. really does sound, I think that was you who posted yes. that. Yeah. And, that, and that's what really, uh, it's funny that you mentioned it because that's basically what you did. You didn't know what you were doing. And then now look where you are now. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I had to, it was like, I, it was sink or swim. And at that point, that's what I had to do. Now I'm not telling you, you have to go all the way in hundred percent in your business. And I'm not telling you that you, have to just do it this way. It's life by design. Like my path might be different than your path. Like right now, to give you an idea, I have the day job still, right? Which I do really well. I do trainings for businesses. I set up sales for a, what I call an appointment setter for like insurance agencies, appointment setting for marketing companies. I train their salespeople on the side. And then I do a podcast and I make really good money at it. But some people, you know, they want to do the whole, I need to go all in. And it just... It's following what works for you. I am not stuck one size fits all up either way, but I am stuck on like what you said, making yourself uncomfortable. So like I go to events with people that are multimillionaires, people that have a better skill set than I do. And I go and I put myself around them and I feel uncomfortable knowing that it's going to make me grow, but they wouldn't have a clue that I'm uncomfortable because I talk to them just like I'm talking to you, just like I talked to the CEO when I was son of the oil and gas investments. Because relationship, when it comes down to it, this is the biggest key. If I could tell people in sales that they could ever get it, solve people's problems, forget that it's about you, make it about them and ask them questions and you'll make so much money. It's unreal. That's awesome. No, that's really good. Um, that's something that you've taught me over the past couple of years is like build that relationship first. And, you know, like Andy Frisella says, make a friend, make a sale. And you've really instilled that fact in me uh, because it's so true. You know, how many times have we had a salesperson that we have no relationship with them at all? It just feels like they're selling you on something versus if it's a friend, um, it's a whole lot easier of a sale because really you're just solving their problem. You're really not selling them on anything. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Can you expand a little bit on sales is just a made up number and what mm -hmm. you mean by that? Yeah. Well, and I love this analogy because I like iPhones. I have an iPhone. That's my daughter on there with it. Um, and I paid a grand for my iPhone, right? My wife hates iPhones. I bought her an iPhone, right? Cause she finally got a new phone. She's had Samsung's forever. And this was about three years ago. It was the three hardest days of my life. Cause she like, you know, everyone she's on her phone. She hated the iPhone so much. She tried for three days and she was crying and upset. She knows I tell this story, so I'm okay, but she hates it. So she wouldn't pay a dime for an iPhone. She hates them. But for a Samsung that like she has right now, a Galaxy, whatever, 25 or 85, I don't know what they are. <laughs> she would pay a grand for it. It's just value. It's just a made up number. Who says how much a Yeti's worth? I paid 30 bucks for the Yeti because I like it. It works for me. Other people might not. You are, it's the value that you bring to someone gives you the ability to be able to charge the amount you want for it. And mm -hmm. I think that's the part that people get so 
fixed up the price, the price, the price. Sales is not the price. Sales is the value, the value, the value you bring, the more you can charge. You know why Ed Milet and Andy Frisella get $50,000 when they do speeches? Because they bring that much value. I don't get $50,000 from doing a speech. I'm not there yet. But if I bring enough value, I can get to that level because if someone else can do it, then I can find a way to get there. 100%. I love that. I mean, that's, that's the mentality I think you need to have because it sounds like what you just said is um, if somebody else has done it, I too can do it. But here's where I am right now. And I have to build myself to get to you know where I want to be. Yeah. Well, you had to be self-aware. Like I just started in the entrepreneurial space a year ago and people are like, well, how did you get this person on your show? And how did you get that person? I'm like, I just asked them. I don't think in the limits of this person's so big here, I can't reach out to them. I think, cool, I may be able to connect with them. I'm just going to ask if they say yes, great. If they say no, what did I lose? An email? That's it. You know, mm -hmm. and just putting yourself in, know where you're at, find someone that you can go after to become like them, not like them individually, but like the goals, the things that they've reached, and then just reverse engineer it. Ed got to where he was by building a business through, I think it was WFG or WNG. I don't even remember what it was. And he got his through doing it through selling supplements. You know, you can do it a lot of different ways. It's just the here's something, and I think you guys would think this is right. The people that are most successful have three common things. One, they're not afraid to fail. They take it as they're learning, they're growing, they're adapting. Two, they're consistent as fuck. They don't give up. They don't stop. You can reach out to me in six months. I'm still going to be doing my podcast. I'm still going to be doing the things that I do. They show up every day. And three, they have a circle of people around them that stretch them, grow with them, but also encourage them. So it's not like they're just worshiping those people. They're like, you know, engaging with them, stretching them and growing them as well. Because the people you hang out with are important. Your ability to stay focused and consistent through things are important. And then your ability to understand that failure is not failure. It's just a learning tool. That's awesome. I, and I, I love those three and I would agree with that. And I think while all, all are very important, I think that last one is probably the most important because if you surround yourself with people who are like-minded oh, yeah. like you, when the, when you get into rough times, maybe they'll, they've already experienced those rough times and able to get you out. Whereas if you go with someone who's not like you or a friend who maybe doesn't understand or doesn't or has limiting beliefs themselves, they're just going to actually subconsciously bring you down. That's an interesting, I, I like those three that you just said. Yeah, yeah that's well, huge. Yeah, because they don't, and, and they're not even doing it on purpose. The people that maybe are exactly. at the same level, or whatever, they're not doing it on purpose. They just don't, they haven't experienced it, like you said, or they haven't stepped into it, or they think that they're helping you. Family is very good at this. They think they're helping you. Don, don't do that. You know you're okay. Joe, don't do that. You know, like, I am the black sheep of my family in the sense that I have a business. I make more money than they do with my sales job. I run a podcast. I do so much stuff. They joke that I'm the family member that travels because I do travel. And I just expand their thing because they're always like, you mentioned it, Joe. They're in that scarcity mindset of there's not enough. Well, as entrepreneurs, there's more than enough for me, you, and everyone to build their dreams, plans, and vision. You just have to go out there, reach out, and get it. So I love that, but I also want to touch on the scarcity mindset that you um, just brought up because I think that's huge. And it's something I know I struggle with from time to time is, and I think a lot of us do. Yeah, I definitely, myself as well. It, you know, like when you're going to sell, um, you know, maybe business isn't coming in as, as much as you'd like it to, or you're not making as much money as you'd like to, 
how have you overcome um, that scarcity mindset? What are some things you can do to be more abundant? Yeah. Well, and, and I'll admit, I still deal with it. I think everyone deals with it. There's just different levels that you deal with it at. Um, with scarcity mindset, well, I'll go back to my sales career. When I started and I shifted to doing the oil and gas investment, I was having to make two to 300 calls a day. And I was having to talk to rich people and get them to invest money. And in my mind, that was crazy because that was my concept at the time because I hadn't realized that they're just normal people. With that, I learned that one day I finally just said, screw it, I'm just going to talk to them like normal. And I realized that they were normal people. And my mindset shifted. I'm like, well, wait a minute. What is it that they think differently than I do? Have you ever read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's just, it's a mindset shift. It's almost a choice because that fear is always going to be there. Like, I know you guys probably played sports and there's still always that fear of getting hit or that fear of messing up, but you still would just, you'd kick into what I would call the zone. You're just going to push mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. And with yep. building on mindset and stuff, I get in the room with people that stretch me. I have people that can speak into my life. They can say, Joe, check your shit. You're just being afraid right now. You don't need to. And I have people that I can talk to when I'm not needing that, but I need to learn listening ear. So you have to have that whole balance, that whole, if anyone ever tells you that entrepreneurship is a lonely game, it is. If you don't set yourself up right, you need to have a community that supports you and helps you. And then you need to get around people again, like you said, Joe, that will stretch you so that when you're looking at it and you go, okay, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get the sales for my business here. And then you're talking to the guy who goes, yeah, I have five businesses. This one is going to cost me 20000 because I made a mistake. And you're like, holy crap, this guy's still standing. He's dealt with all this shit I can deal with. I just need to call more people. And it, on scarcity, I just dig down and I call more people. I am like a prospect machine when it comes to if I know I need more money. I make more dials. If I know I need more money, I send more emails. If I know I need more money, I go to events and network because I can only control my inputs. I can't make you buy, but if I give you and 25 other people an opportunity compared to just the two of you, I have more of a shot to win talking to 25 people than I do to two. So I just keep adding the numbers. And then once I start to get into momentum, I remind myself, when I get like lost or fearful or like, oh, I can't do this. Wait a minute. I just closed that guy for $50,000 or wait a minute. I just closed that deal for two grand or, you know, what? I did five cars last week. I can get 10 cars this week. It's, it's a little shift and I know I'm making it sound simple and I know it's hard as fuck, but once you get it to where you catch yourself, you take a breath and you find a reason to move forward or something that's going to encourage you or reach out to someone to help you. That's the game. And you got to kind of, it's self-awareness. My buddy, George Bryan has said this entrepreneurship is the greatest therapy lesson you can ever get because you always have mm -hmm. to deal with yourself. And it's true. There's like so many times I'm like, why can't I just be the guy that sits on the couch after I work nine to five and watch sports and eat pizza and drink beer? Like, I can't do that anymore. I used to, when I was younger, I was like, yeah. great, I can do this. And then I got to the point where like, no, I want more. I want more impact. I want more life. And I know I ranted there a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, but there was a lot of good stuff there. There were really a lot of good stuff. One of the things that I think was really cool is when you said it, it's just a mindset switch. Because mm -hmm. I think what a lot of people, including myself beforehand, I've learned a lot over the past year from the, the, the journey I, I'm taking. You, you look at people 
when you're like, oh, well, they were always of, of, of an abundance mindset. They were always 100%. Like they were always no beer and pizza and just hanging on the couch afterward. But it really is just a decision. Like you said, like you said, you, you used to be that way. And now when you decided that it's not, you're not going to live your life that way, you don't even crave those things anymore. I think it's really cool how the human mind changes like that. Yeah. And yeah, here's sure. the crazy thing. Six years ago, and, and, and like, I can't even picture, like I can feel my body just tenting up saying that six years ago, I was in a dead end job. I was driving Uber, doing a sales job, not even making 50 grand, almost having a nervous breakdown, drinking every night. And to now, like I said, I'm making over $150,000 every year. I'm going on trips. I'm doing different things. You can change your life if you're willing to put the work in, surround yourself with the right people. And grow. And you do know I said I've been in sales for 15 years. So before the six years ago, I was successful in sales. Then I had to leave the job that I was at because I didn't believe in it anymore. And I tried a different job and it just crashed and burned because life sometimes is a roller coaster. So it's not always rainbows and unicorns. But even when you hit the top, sometimes you may fall back. You can always come back. It's just, again, finding the right people, the right group, the right network to support you because if you don't have the right network you're going to crash and burn but it's just crazy i was just thinking about that when you mentioned that whole aspect of it you know six years ago i was a wreck and now i'm talking to tons of people and growing businesses and you can just change so much so fast mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. awesome so a point that i want to touch on that you just said is you didn't believe in what you were selling anymore how important is it to really believe in the product that you're selling, um, you know, to a point to where, you know, that's benefiting someone, not just giving you a commission. A hundred percent for me, because I'm very much on to being ethical, moral, and having my customer's interest first and foremost. So I can't sell something I don't believe in. So again, we were talking about the oil and gas wells. I didn't know the wells weren't hitting. So when I was selling them before, I thought they were hitting. So I was like, hey, we can do this. I'm getting people to write me checks. And then all of a sudden, I realized that the wells were supposed to get 300 barrels a day were getting five. And that's not hmm. good. Like they're not getting any returns. And like I lost my ability to sell it. You have to have at least for me, like there are some scummy people out there and this is where we get salespeople with a bad name that will sell you anything because they're just trying to get a buck. But people that are listening to your show, people like you and I, we're not that person. I think if you don't believe in the product, people will know. People will smell it. People will, will get that you're not genuine. You're not you know, caring. And in this game, on the entrepreneurial world, you know how you can beat people and win? Relationships. You can go mm. deep. You know, a lot of people will be on here like, oh, get one last funnel, one this, one that. And you can get all these sales and they're a flash in the pan. The people that make it and build it, like we brought up Andy. I know we've been bringing up Andy for so a lot. He built his business on relationship. And Milet built his business on relationship. We're building our businesses on relationships. And because that is something that you can do and take farther and stronger than anything else, because no one can serve your customers like you. Who better to serve them? If you're going to take care of them, treat them right, and serve them well, then that takes, oh, wait, now it, the price isn't a big deal now because I'm going to serve my customers. I'm going to help my customers. I'm going to give them 100% more value than what I'm charging them. So now we're good. And that's the thing that I try to just teach most 
most first-time entrepreneurs and people that even that have been doing it for years, they just get caught up in their head on it. And it's just, a, again, a reframe going back to it. So how would you say is a way to maybe somebody's listening right now that they're interested in doing sales, they, um, you know, have heard about sales and, you know, they want to get into it. How, how do they find maybe a company or a product that they want to sell? You know, what's your recommendation uh, for that to, to find some, that for somebody? Um, well, for this disclaimer first. Find out if you have the taste or the risk tolerance for sales, because sales is entrepreneur light, meaning that you have to kill to eat. You have to sell to make money if you're in a real good sales role. If you have a really high base, you're going to have a shitty commission structure. If you have really good commission structure, probably have a shitty base, but if you can sell, it's great. So disclosure there first. Mm -hmm. um, but you're going to want to find something that you believe in, something that you feel is a need. You know, it could be cell phones, it could be cards, it could be, most times people start out B2C, meaning business to consumer, something that they can sell that way. Then you get a little bit of experience and then you get into B2B world where you're selling business to business. So like maybe it's fiber internet like I do, or maybe it's gadgets or widgets. It's just finding a place that has a good training system, that has the ability for you to make good money and that you're happy going and doing it because if you can't make money at it, it sucks if it doesn't have a good training system and you've never done sales you're going to flounder and if it doesn't have a good commission structure why the hell are you going to do it because you can go somewhere else and make money like because you don't go into sales not to make money if you do i don't know who you are and you should be in the because <laughs> that makes no <laughs> sense yeah exactly. i mean i'm not being mean like i've literally told people before i go you know what you would be good as a customer service agent here or you would be good doing this and it was not being mean but sales is still it's like a combat sport still it's still mm -hmm. you have to make calls you have to do stuff that most people don't want to do but that's why it's valuable you learn the skill set of sales you can go anywhere in the world and make as much money as you want and do what you want no i love that it's um, you know, it's honestly like I, I read in a book one time, it's everything is sales. Just even if you're not in a sales position where you're selling a certain product or whatever, um, you know, any interview you go on or any date you go on, it's, it's sales. Yep. You're selling yep. yourself. Um, so that's where, I, I mean, like you say, once you get good at sales, you know, you can pretty much go anywhere and do anything. Oh yeah, it definitely I have a funny analogy, and this is something that I train some of the guys that I work with, and sometimes the girls, but I had to reframe it for the girls. So cold call sales like I do, B2B sales, is like going to the bar at 6 to 7 o'clock and getting the girl to go home with you by 8 o'clock. You're closing. <laughs> Inbound sales, when people are calling in because they're already warm and ready to go, is like the midnight girl picking someone. So if you're really a closer, you have to be able to go at six, seven o'clock at night and get the girl to go home by eight, nine o'clock. That's, That's what good. sales is. It takes <laughs> skill. It takes, it takes the ability to get people to see the value that you're bringing, to paint the picture, to tell the story, whatever that is, and get them to move down the thing. You, and you are right. Everything's a sale. Like us talking right now is a sale. People are either buying what we're saying or they're saying we're full of shit. Either way, mm -hmm. it's cool. It doesn't matter because we're still going to be us, but there's people that are going to reach out to you and say, Hey, cool. I want to work with you. People are like, well, what are they talking about? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you talked about being a good closer. Um, 
how can you actually deal maybe you aren't right now how do you deal with rejection even actually to this day i'm sure you still get rejected all the time Mm -hmm. um how do you handle no and how do you handle uh you know that rejection feeling um in the beginning i would throw a fit and be sad and be upset and frustrated because i didn't understand that it wasn't about me sales is never about you your job as a salesperson is very simple i need you to make a decision if you make a decision yes great if you make a decision no is it no now is it no forever and once i reframed that it was fine because now it's just i'm helping you make a decision Do you want to buy a car? Cool. I'm going to ask you some questions to do that. You want to go on a trip? Great. I'm going to ask you some questions to do that. You want to get healthy? I'm going to ask you some questions to do that. Make you make a decision. All salespeople are, are helping you down the line to make an actual decision. Because most people are afraid to make a decision because they don't want to look bad. So if you can reframe the picture for them, you become what they call a closer or a cleaner. If you've read Tim Grover's Winning. Um, and that's mm-hmm. just the, an ultimate level of it to where you're not competing against anyone else because you're just you just have that skill down. But all you're doing is just taking them down the line. And once you get past the point of it's not about me. So like if I was asking a girl out and she told me, no, I'm going to feel bad because that's about me. But if I'm selling you something, you say no. Maybe it's the timing. Maybe it's the product. Maybe right now you don't have the money for it. Maybe your dog just died. Who knows? Follow up later. They'll forget anyway. I had Matt Vincent on of Hate Brands, and he was like, he used to do sales too. He's like, you know what? No, now doesn't mean no forever. And a lot of times it maybe just was a bad day. I'm just going to call him back and see if I can swing again. I mean, I have had people cuss me out. I have had people slam the phone down. Oh, no. When I was going door to door, I had people open the door in all kinds of outfits and gear. And that was a little bit freakier. The phone is so much easier because the worst thing they can do is slam it down. You know, they can't let their dog out at you. They can't grab their gun. You're not going to see an old dude in his underwear. You know, it's better because it's not like on the TV shows where you're a door knocker and there's like this hot chick. No, it's never that. There's either something that you don't want to see or some old dude. Old dudes like to come to the door in their underwear. I don't know why. It's just gross. So I love phone sales now because I don't have to deal with that. I can talk to them on the phone. What's the worst case they're going to do? They're going to hang up and say, no, cool, next. I'm going to go reach out to the next person until I win. And then just know your numbers. Okay, cool. I got to talk to 200 people today, get two sales. Those two sales make me $20,000. Am I going to call 200 people? Yes. Well, what if I have to call 200 people to make 500 bucks? 500 bucks a day times what? Five is what? 2,500 bucks? That might be worth it to you. You know, it's just know the numbers. How many people do you need to contact today? Reverse it back to how good you are when you talk to them. So once you get better at your skill set, at your presentation, as, as you're talking to people, you don't have to talk to as many people because you've gotten better at it. So maybe you call 50 people a day. But wait, if you're getting good, you get two off of 50. Well, hell, fuck, do 100 because then you get four and you just build yeah. it. And then you build, okay, how much do I need this month to make money? And yeah. you just go from there. Cool. Uh, yeah, so yeah. we're stopping. Yeah. Anchor. Yeah, we're stopped on Anchor only because we can do 30 minutes of pop on the, um, on the, the what do you call the desktop. Cool. Once it loads, we'll re- go again. I think you cut off. Um, we can see where you cut off and then we could also edit it when you mm-hmm. send us this. But yeah, those are really good stuff. Um, yeah. Man, I love that. Yeah. Love it. I'm loving it so far. It's a lot of good stuff. Cool. Joe, yeah, and, and when, I can redo it. Doing pod- yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're doing um, podcasts, are, are, are you using, uh, are you taking the audio from Zoom? Mm-hmm. 
I do everything from Zoom. Okay. I'm recording on Zoom right now, and then I just upload it to Anchor, and I have unlimited. We can go an hour and a half, two hours. It does not care. It's still recording. Okay, so you're not even recording on Anchor right now. Well, no, no, I never record on Anchor. Rephrase that. This is your podcast. Well, I do. I use Anchor, uh, but I only record on Anchor sometimes if I'm doing my little solo walk podcast. That's it. Yeah, All okay. the other ones I do off of Zoom or off my phone. I do a video and I just upload it, and gotcha. it works pretty well. Good to cool. know. So yeah, we, we might even not have to restart it. We'll just edit from uh, from the Zoom here. What do you mean? Edit the audio from the Zoom. Oh, okay. And then you can upload it. But can you do that after you've? Or can you do half and half? Um, you might want to record it on both just to cover your butts because I don't know yeah. with recording it okay. from there. I want to make sure you guys don't get because gotcha. like you yep. you could be able you I can send you this video and it will send you all of it and you can it gets, breaks into an audio clip. In a video clip and you can upload it onto your anchor but okay having double yep. safety is good yeah okay. yeah what we're now is it, it just uploaded that first one we could see where you hit off left and then we'll hit it again and you could just take off from there because you had a, a bunch of good stuff cool okay so let's see all right we'll take it from here family we are back oh. episode 32 uh very special the door and all kinds of outfits and gear oh. that was <laughs> So I love they get two sales. And those two sales make me $20,000. Am I going to call 200 people? Yes. But what if I have to call 200 people to make 500 bucks? 500 bucks a day times what? Five is what? 2,500 bucks? All right. That might be worth it to you. Yeah. So you said that might be worth it to you. Okay. That's where you are. Yep. All right. Ready? We will go recording. Three, two, one. Yeah. Because it. All the ways comes down to simply this. How much do you need to make? What do you want out of life? What do you want to build as your life by design? My friend Dane calls it effed up life. Fun, family, freedom, finance, whatever that is. What is it mm-hmm. is your – actually, Tony Watley, I know you listened to that one. He said yeah. he has a freedom yeah. number. And this is a guy that built, took two businesses to a million dollars while still working as a job. Then decide, okay, cool. I've done this twice. I'm going to go start my own thing. Like he's done it a bunch. And he's like, what's your real freedom number? Maybe you don't need to be a millionaire. You know, honestly, I live a good life and I make over 200,000 a year. What is your freedom number? Reverse engineer it, find out what you want to do and build that. And then here's the other thing. Don't overestimate what you can do in six months to a year, but don't underestimate what you can do in five years. Because a lot of times people will trip up and fall back into, it's been two months and I didn't do it, or it's been five months and I didn't do it. In my B2B job, I tell them flat out, it's six to nine month build. In the beginning, you're going to be grinding and calling and talking because you're just earning your spurs. You're just learning what you're supposed to do. But if you outlast them, you win. Because here's the thing. If you've been in a sales role for over two years, you're an expert because most salespeople stay in a role for one to two years. They bounce to the new hmm. thing and they go, hey, Don, now I'm your greatest, you know, hit man. And then, hey, Don, now I'm a fitness trainer. Hey, Don, now I'm a belly dancer, whatever the hell it is that they make up. But if I come to you each and every day and you talk to me a year from now and I'm still doing the same thing, and you talk to me two years from now, well, wait a minute, he must know what he's doing. So there, five years down hmm. the road, holy crap, this guy is he's still doing the thing he said he would do. But this doesn't mean you can't adapt or change your business, but like I stay in my niche. I started in sales. I have a podcast that teaches sales mindset, entrepreneurship, which is where I'm growing into. And then I train people in sales and I just keep building my legacy off of that. 
in time over tension, just like we talked about with lifting weights and all. The more you mm-hmm. do it year after year, the better you get, the stronger you get. Yeah, that is that is really uh, that's impactful. I, I think um, one thing, because Don and I like to talk about a lot of stuff with like the universe and like yeah. you, you attracting things and, and it sees the effort that you're putting in and what you just said too about if you're still doing it, if you mm-hmm. come two years down the road at some point, as long as you know, if you're good and you're understanding that you're not doing half-ass work, you're going to be rewarded. Basically stuff is going to start. The gears going to start to turn. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah I, I think that's huge, Joe, what you said uh, about sticking, um, you know, sticking to one thing rather than like jumping around to like the shiny object, I call it, you know, like the next big idea or the next, you know, thing that interests you, because I think whatever we're doing, it gets monotonous and you get, sometimes it gets boring and you're like, oh, let me go do something else. But if you could just stick through that monotony um, over time, like you said, now you're going to be viewed as that expert. So that, that's a really, really good point. Yeah. Well, success is boring. It's doing the things that get you the result over and over and over again. And that's how you win. Mm-hmm. And then like you mentioned with the law of attraction and all, or in Christianity, you know, believing that God's going to bless you. However you frame that, I'm cool with it. You just have to have the consistency and the ability to show up every day. And just be honest with yourself. You're not going to show up 100% every day. There's going to be days that maybe you're showing up 50%, but 50% is better than zero. And you mm-hmm. just keep moving forward and you keep doing the things you need to do and you keep growing and connecting and it is so because most people lose because they get bored that shiny syndrome is well i didn't win the gold medal in six months well yeah if you're going to go for a gold medal you're spending 20 years of training and doing and doing the different things you need to level up um and in today's fast-paced world and all these gimmicks out there people like oh this and this and this someone made millions of dollars off of sticky notes a pool noodle. There's nothing exciting <laughs> yeah. about a pool noodle. This hat. People have made tons of money off a hat. It's not even a brand. Diff- it's just a hat. I liked it. I yeah. paid 30 bucks for it. The person that price sells it in Hawaii has made a ton of money because they just have a service that I wanted. And that's the thing mm-hmm. that people forget because they think it's a Hollywood movie. It's not a Hollywood movie. It's not like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not banging on Jordan Belfort, but the movie... Some of the lines and stuff they did, we just said this and they just dropped their panties and threw money. That's not how it happens. And you may have a few people that can talk good and the straight line system works, but there was a lot of time and effort and work and all that went into that process. And then most people don't want to do the work. Mm-hmm. Most people don't want to win. That's why it's called the 1%. That's why it's called the top 5%. Because if you put the work, the time, the effort in, you're doing it more than anyone else wants to. And that's why you win. So that's, you know, I can't agree more. Um, what would you say has motivated you to consistently do the work? Because I think once you have it ingrained, you kind of ingrain it in yourself. Uh, once you are working at a higher level, um, like a high performing person over time, it just becomes who you are. And, you know, the work becomes just what you do. But maybe for somebody that, you know, isn't used to, grinding it out and doing the work consistently maybe there's a couple things you could share um about how to you know um get yourself to want to be extraordinary and do that higher level stuff yeah well and for me in the beginning it was i just wanted to win on my team so i was in sales and i wanted to be the number one guy i'm a competitive person so in the beginning it was just that 
But then after a while, I'm like, well, crap, I'm beating these people. What's going to push me now? And then I had to fill out, okay, cool. What do I need to do to get better? I don't want to compete against people that aren't pushing as hard as me. I need to compete against myself and get 1% better every day. And I started building that. And it was a mindset shift through reading books, through listening to podcasts, through getting into the circles. I am like a broken record, but success is boring. This is the thing people don't realize. They think there's this one secret thing they can do. Nope. It's reading, it's growing, it's doing the things you need to do each and every day. And then I would just play games with myself in the sense that, okay, cool. I sold $5,000 last month. I want to do 10. I would just double it. Then I would just double it. So, oh, I hit quota by June last year. So for the year, I want to hit quota by April for the year now. And I would, <clears throat> excuse me, I would just set a new, harder goal, but then I would break down the metrics. Okay, what do I need to do to get there? And I would set a goal that was, would scare the shit out of me on purpose hmm. because if I set an easy goal and I hit it, who cares? It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. If I set a hard goal, and even if I don't hit that hard goal, I'm still probably going to get farther than if I set the easy goal. Hmm. So basically, you're saying like, um, it, just to give an example, oh, I'm going to make fifty thousand dollars this month. That may seem so absurd to somebody, but maybe you hit fifteen, twenty, <clears throat> twenty-five. Whereas if you said, hmm, I'll hit ten thousand. You may never even have gotten that 15, essentially. Yes. Yes, 100%. So I've done that before where, like, I've had, like, I'm, I'm hunting a $50,000 a month right now. So I've had months where I've sold 25 or made 25000 I've had months where I made 35000 but I haven't made the 50 yet. So that's a goal for me to hit is to get a 50K month. Well, I'm actually shooting for 100K so that I can get to the 50K because I know that I'm going to need to stretch my ability. So if I'm going for 50K, I'd work this way. If I'm going for 100K, I'm going to work so much harder and push and do the different things and pull the levers I need to do to get there. It's, it's a mind trick because your mind does not understand that you're bullshitting it. Your mind does not understand that you're saying that you're not really going to get there. Your subconscious, if you say, I'm going to make 100000 will start to go into the, to get 100000 But your subconscious will say, if you say, I, I, I'm worthless and I suck and I'm horrible, it's going to believe it because your subconscious just hears what you says and responds accordingly. It's not like your conscious where you can automatically think about it. Now we're getting into NLP or neurolingual processing. You have to train your mind, your mindset, your thought processes. And that's why having a daily routine is huge for me. That's something we haven't talked about, but... I have found that getting up in the morning and working out first thing has revolutionized what I do. Listening to a podcast mm -hmm. when I drive into work has revolutionized what I do. Reading books, like you mentioned, has revolutionized what I do. And there's all these little things that you just do little increments every day. And that's really where the winning happens. You just don't see it because it's not the big boom. People see the big boom at the end when you have that real go viral or you get that big contract for a million dollars or you get that car or the girl and like wait a minute i know joe there's no chance in hell joe was going to pull that girl and he pulls that girl but you know what i mean it's like it's it, 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 you do things that blow people <laughs> you do things that blow people's mind and in reality you've been putting the work in all this time you've been doing all this stuff and they're justifying it in their head well he's just lucky he had a break no you put the time the effort the talent in to get there yeah no honestly I, there's a good point that you bring up of the routine because um I, i'm starting to see this too in the past year i've been reading 10 pages a day i stole that from 75 hard um i also like to read two articles and then i'll pray right mm -hmm. 
every morning. And that got to the point, and I believe you said this, Don, too, when we were talking about this one time, it didn't just get easier, you got stronger. So wow. so the routine became perfect. Like I, I could do it no problem. But then what happens, like you just brought up how that routine will change your life. Now what I'll do is I, I stole the gallon of water a day mm-hmm. from 75 hard, right? And I just do that every day. But you think about it, the reason why I'm able to just add these things is because I started with just the 10 pages. Yep. That you build your skills like that. I like how you brought that up. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense because it's not, it's not about doing the one big hard thing because that's easy. All of us guys want to go do the one big hard thing. Cause then we can get the prestige and, Oh, we climbed Everest or whatever. But yeah. the key is doing the little easy things that are boring every day. And it's so yeah. crazy. Then you start winning and then you're like, Holy crap. They just wrote me a check for 25,000 or Holy crap. I just did 20 cards or Holy crap. I just went and took my family to Hawaii and I grew up poor. Like I, this is, this is something that mind boggles me, but I, I'm mm-hmm. very grateful for what I've gone through. But I like, I remember when I was young and like, there was a time in my life with my family and all where we like, we were on food stamps and I, we drink, drink tomato soup with water, not even milk out of a can. Cause that's all we could do. This was a long time ago. Wow. My parents have done better now and they, they did well, but you know, life happens to now. I took my family to Hawaii twice last year. I went to Montana twice last year and I'm a country boy from Southwest Michigan without an education besides a couple years of college that just learned and grew. And if I can build a life by design, so can you. And that's the thing I always want to impart into people. That's why I have my podcast, 150K podcast, because I picture dads that want to have, you know, take their kids to Disney because that was the first Mm -hmm. trip we did when I finally started making money and seeing my kids eyes light up. I was like, holy crap, there's something to this. I can do this. And that just kind of, I know I went on a little tangent there again, but that just made me think that way. No, no, but honestly, that, that's cool. Actually tell, tell our, our audience too, because that is really impressive. You do have the 150K podcast, right? Um, mm-hmm. Why don't you tell the audience about that? Because I think it's really, you've interviewed some really, really cool people. Tony Waitley being one of them. Um, and I know Eli, what was his last name? I forgot. Zara, I love that episode. He, he, he has uh and I say his last name wrong all the time. He's a, he's a great friend of mine. He has the Art of Masculinity podcast. Check him out. Yes. Former um, special ops, really cool dude. Yeah, it's, I did the podcast for me to start with. Be, to be honest with you, a year ago, June. So I've had a podcast since June ago. So what, 13 months? And I just dropped yep. episode 91. Yep. Um, and I really just did it in the beginning because I was like, hey, I want to help people break the 100K barrier. And I got some friends of mine that went to an event. And they said, yeah, we'll come on the show. And it was garbage. It was bad. Like, not in a bad way, but like when you first start out, it's going to suck. It just does. And then I just started reaching out to people and talking to people. And I used the skill sets that I've learned now. And like, I got Matt Vincent on by reaching out to him and saying, hey, I see you with so-and-so. They're great people. I wasn't even trying to get him on the show. He's like a multimillionaire, four different like stuff or like four different companies does a bunch of crazy things. And what I found is people want connection. People want to feel valued and people don't want their balls licked. Meaning they don't want to be like, oh, you're in my lead. Wow. Can you talk to me? You know, they want you to treat them normal. <laughs> and so I just talk to people normal and I go to events and I network with them. And like you mentioned, Tony Watley, I followed this page. I talked to him for a little bit like just commenting and just kind of bringing him or getting into his world. And I DM'd him one day, I said, Hey man, would you be on my show? He goes, yeah, bro. I've seen you've been around for, you know, 
six, seven months in my world and you're consistent. So yeah. And then the other thing is the more episodes you get, the more people will come on because the more that you record and get more people up, then the people that are like what I would call, they, you know how like in podcasting, there's like your first tier, your second tier, your third tier. It's people rate people, just that's life. It's cool, whatever. Um, the more episodes you get, the more higher people will be willing to come on just because if you go over 15 episodes, you're in the top, I think, 25% of podcasters because most make it to eight and drop. So you guys at 32, mm-hmm. I commend you for that. And here's the other crazy thing because I thought about this. I started my podcast because Zach Babcock said, if you get 15 episodes, I will come on your show. And he's a guy from Underdog Empowerment. Um, nice. He was a top 15% podcast, a really cool dude, crazy cool story. I'm like, shit, I can do 15 episodes. I don't know how good they're going to be, but I can do 15 episodes. And I told him <laughs> I would do it. And I ended up getting to, uh, he, he actually came on episode 22 for the first time. And I had him back on, I think episode 81. I could be wrong on the episode. He came back on the second time, but yeah. And then, then it's just turned into people who can help me grow. Cause remember I told you about that network and that group. Mm-hmm. I go to a group event, I connect with people, I bring them on that bring value. So either A, they have a name, which is cool, or B, they have a skill set that I don't have, or I can learn something from I bring them on my show and we just jam and I'm getting free coaching and they're happy because it's a win-win because they're getting to talk to my audience. Just like your audience is going to be happy here because they're not having to pay me my fee to train on sales because this is free mm-hmm. you know and that's that's mm-hmm. where the win-win comes in but if you're approaching them i know that was a long story but i'm a salesman so i always tell stories um <laughs> if you're trying to get like high level podcast guests on treat them well and i'll tell you another little trick take your phone do a video tell them hey my name's joe with 150k podcast i like this this and this about you i have a show was wondering if you want to come on 30 second video don't write anything else send it to them. You'll stand out because there's so many people in the DMs popping them with the DMs. Come on my show. Give me this. Can I have, can I buy you dinner? Da, da, da. But if you can touch their heart about something that's important to them, say you have an opportunity so they can spread their message on it and do it in the video, you stand out. Well, I think that also leads into the fact of, you know, you're not expecting anything in return. You're truly just trying to build that relationship right there in the beginning. And I think that with anything we do in life, whether it's, you know, with the podcasting, um, you know, selling a product or whatever it is that we're going to do, um, if, if we genuinely care and not expect something in return and give more than we, um, you know, uh, get, I guess what to say, um, mm-hmm. you're going to have that success. Yeah, 100%. And they just, they need friends too. That's the thing that most people forget. At the top, it's lonely because a lot of people look at them differently or treat them differently. Sports people, same thing. And they're always wanting something from them. So if you can give them something, if you can bring them value without trying to take something, they're more likely to help you because who wants to feel like you're being taken advantage of? No one. But these people all the time are taken advantage of because Mm -hmm. they have a name or they have money or they have this or that. So if you treat them normal. And, lot, and I'm not saying be disrespectful, like, hey, bro, like they might look at you like you're crazy, but like, you know what I mean? Just talk to like we're talking now, bring value, help them out a little bit if you can. Like having the podcast to bring more credibility to them or more people into their sphere, that's value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's all, that's all good stuff. Um, 
you did mention, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. We talked about uh, sales and we talked about why you do it. You talked a little bit. I know you're a family guy. Um, you talked about traveling and you love to travel. Uh, where, where's your favorite place that you've been so far? Oh, okay. So with the family, it's Hawaii. By myself, it's Montana. So two different, okay. distinctly different trips. So my wife loves the island of Kauai. So we go there. We've been there a couple of times. She wants a house there. So again, life by design. I had to make money because my wife wants a house in Kauai. It's expensive. <laughs> um, I love going to Montana. Now, I like Montana from May through October. I don't want mm -hmm. the snow again, but if you've ever been up to Montana, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. I was up in Glacier National Park in Whitefish. Nice. Uh, where my buddy George Bryant's having an event. And going into Glacier National Park's like going into Lord of the Rings or Narnia or wow. that type of stuff. It just gives you that feel, that fresh smell, mountain air, that hiking. I love that. And then chilling on the beach in Hawaii, you can't get much better than that. So those are oh, the two yeah. places that I would love to do. We're going to go to, um, we we're going to go a couple of years ago to Greece, but then the pandemic and all hit. So wife and I are going to go to Greece next year in Italy, do a little nice. bit of a trip there, but that's just me and the wife. I don't want the kids to come on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, Hawaii is definitely on my bucket list. That looks absolutely incredible. Every single picture I see there, there's just not a bad bad spot you could look at. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it, um, it's fun. It, it is fun. Have um, you always been into traveling or has this been a new thing? No, I, I've always had a bug to travel. When I was younger, you know, in church stuff, I went on some mission trips. I went like to Mexico. I went to Malaysia two times. I went to Bolivia. I've always just loved traveling. I don't know if I was a nomad in a past life and that's kind of a tongue in cheek <laughs> joke. I'm not saying I believe in past lives, but like I'm drawn to like, I want to go to Iceland. I want to go to yeah. like Africa. Like I love traveling. Now cars, I don't care about. Like, you know, like a lot of times in our space guys like cars, my wife like cars more than I do. I just like traveling. Mm -hmm. I like experiencing awesome. cultures and peoples and food. Good. Food. Yeah. I mean, what are, what are some uh, cultures that you've experienced traveling throughout the world? Um, well, in Malaysia, there was a big Indian culture that I was in. So I got to eat actually at a, a authentic Indian's house, like from India, hmm. from this region that's not normally here. So there's 12 regions in India. India is really big. So when you get Indian food, it does not mean that you're getting Indian food from, it's from one region. So I got to eat some like authentic, different type of Indian food, um, Chinese food, Malay food. I like Asian food. But then in Bolivia, you would think because it's in South America, it'd be spicy. It's not spicy food at all. It's actually kind of more bland yeah. and different because we think spicy okay. because that's our thought in our process. But there's every different culture has different things that you can touch and do. And I just like to do the things that are different that like I want to feel the world how they feel it when I'm there. Yeah, no, that, that is, that is pretty like, you're like getting that full experience. You just want to be immersed in their culture. And I think that's the most important thing when you go to a different country or if other um, foreigners come here, you always want to just be immersed in that culture. That makes the experience. That's really cool. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, you've been, you've been to Italy. I've been to Italy, Spain, Germany, and Czech Republic. Well, Italy, I feel the, the most comfortable because my origins are Italian and mm -hmm. I can speak the language. So I, I really immerse myself in that culture there. But even when I'm in like other countries, I try to at least learn a couple of words just so I can eat. I'm not going to speak their language, but it's so much better. Like when I studied abroad in Italy, yeah. I was in an American school. Now, don't get me wrong. I hung out with the Americans a lot of the time because I was forced to when I went to class. But mm -hmm. I was also trying to go out there, make friends from from Rome, you know, play soccer with them, because that's just the best thing. Like you said, you like in the Indian culture, you probably 
there was so much diversity in mm-hmm. that you probably it was like a culture shock maybe i would i would assume yeah that's well, really the food cool. the food was a shock to my system it was really good but for a couple of days it <laughs> took me time to adapt but that was cool. <laughs> it's one of those things that there's so much different experiences you can have in the world that's why i do sales because if i don't have money i can't do any of it so mm-hmm. yeah. that's that, that's the tool i use for but i love it like i love traveling to the end of my days like i want to go to iceland like Anywhere you say we're going to go on a trip, I'm good unless it's a desert. I don't really care about deserts much, but besides <laughs> that, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, <they're> awesome. <laughs> well, uh, Joe, just want to thank you for uh, coming on today. Um, we had a blast talking with you, and I think I think our listeners are going to get a lot of value from uh, you know from your sales talks and um, what we've talked about today. So I just want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a fun talk. Where, uh, where can people find you, Joe? Oh, yeah. I, I am a simple man. So everything's 150K podcast. And it's the numbers 150K podcast. So that's my podcast for Spotify, Apple. If you want to catch me on Instagram, it's 150K podcast. That's me. I have a group on Facebook, 150K podcast. The only different one would be LinkedIn is my name, Joseph Graham, because they wouldn't let me do 150K podcast on LinkedIn for some weird reason. So whatever. Oh. <laughs> I don't do much in LinkedIn. I know I do B2B, but I'm not like really that strong in LinkedIn. But okay. yeah, pretty much anywhere 150K podcast, you can find me. I love it. And, awesome. you know, for the listeners that if you are looking for somebody to teach you on sales or if you have sales questions, Joe's your guy to reach out to. Um, he's helped me before. I've hired him to be my coach um, in the past as well. And honestly, if you look at these big gurus, quote unquote, um, that claim to know everything about sales and the way to do it, um, I've learned more from Joe uh, than I have from these big guys. So, Joe, I just wanted to point that out to you as well, um, that kind of like you said, don't put people on pedestals. Um, you can learn from everybody. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. So, um, guys, that is the show. Uh, Joe, you got anything you want to close out with? No, I just want to say, reiterate what Don says. Really, thank you for coming on. Uh, a lot of value in what you said. Um, awesome vibe. You know, you're a great guy. You know, I could the, the conversations we've had over the the Instagram when we've come back and forth. I've had some questions. You were always willing to to answer and uh, yeah, a lot of value from the show. And I know you're going to get that house for your wife in, in Kauai. Yeah. So that's going to be, and, and, and you'll probably get yourself a nice lock cabin in Montana too. Yeah. So yeah, that's my dream. Then, that's my, yeah. dream. that's my vision. I have it written out on my board, a cabin in awesome. Montana and a beach house in Kauai. Hell and yeah. Then, I, I think someday we'll have to do another podcast in person in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm game. I'm game. That's totally fine. I, I would yeah. be loving that. Yeah, 100%. Well, thanks again, Joe. Yeah, uh, thank uh, thanks you. for coming on. Have a great day. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the 150K Podcast. Remember, your dreams become reality when you take action on them. Feel free to reach out with any questions on Instagram at 150K Podcast. And until next time, keep pushing. You're worth it.